Have you been told you need to stop doing what you love, whether it's exercise, running, or a sport? Well, here at Dynamic, we don't like that answer. In this podcast, we'll talk to leaders in the health and wellness space from Southwest Florida to get the solutions you need to get you back to doing what you love. Welcome to the Dynamic Naples podcast. What's going on in Southwest Florida? Today I have a special guest, John Williams. He will probably be on this podcast quite often as we're going to start interviewing people together. But we're going to have a little chat today. How are you doing, John Williams? Uh, it's Special Williams here, and I'm just... I'm special it. Williams, I'm going to call you from now on. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm good. just happy to be good. here. Good. Uh, so, we should probably tell people at the gym before we like jump into a, any sort of topic. Yeah, no, I'll let you run with it. Go. Oh, you're just gonna make me do it? Yep. Of course. It's like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought a gym. Uh, if if nobody knows, Am I st- wow, I'm super loud, huh? Yeah. So we bought a gym. So pretty much what happened was I was on Twitter. Um, definitely not working and one of my friends posted on twitter about how they they were losing their job so i hit her up just to like console her and be like, hey what's what's going on is everything all right and she's like yeah no the, everything's fine they're just selling the gym that i work at and i was like oh well for how much because this gym was like right down the street from me and uh she told me the number and i was like that sounds very interesting and then i was like well with the equipment the clients and everything and she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, this sounds like a good opportunity. I've always wanted to own a gym. And uh, so I hit up Chris first because I was like, well, Chris is probably, Chris actually has a, a training, a therapy business. Maybe he'll want to buy this because I was working on video at the time. Wasn't really thinking about being a trainer again. So I hit up Chris. I'm like, hey, dude, there's this gym that's being sold. And it's like kind of, of a sick deal. And so he was like, oh, that sounds interesting, but I don't really care. I was like, all right, well, I do. So I get kind of serious about buying it. I go and I meet the guy. I'm like, hey, is this really what this is? He's like, yeah. He like gives me all the receipts for the for the equipment. It's like a done. It's kind of just like a, a perfect deal. And I was like, ooh, this is this is enticing. So I keep trying to drag Chris into it. He's like dragging his feet. He's like, I don't want to do it. I'm nervous. I have kids. What if they starve and die on the streets? And I'm like, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, you should, you should really, do you want to jump in? That's exactly what I said. They might just die in the streets because that makes sense. <laughs> no, I had a, a, a good business going nice and steady. And this was a, another risk to take. And yes, I do have mouths to feed. So, you know, yeah, I think twice because I'm not just a young whippersnapper like John. Well, and he was really worried about his dog. He was worried his dog was going to die in the streets. I think that's what it was. It wasn't the kids. That's complete fabrication. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So anyways, here we are. We, we now own uh, Dynamic Training and Therapy. So uh, it's the, model, the wellness model where we have an office in the front. That's where I work. That's where I treat patients out of. We, you know, the idea is keep them healthy so they can stay working out. And then, you know, maybe it's even for people who are just injured. They want to get better. They get them pain-free. And then we send them over to John where they really get stronger. And that's usually what keeps the pain away. That's this, the whole idea behind this. Yeah, and so on the training side, we do small group training. We do a little bit of personal training, but really we're focused on the small groups. And what's so nice about our model is we're already having this crossover between our training members and our therapy clients. Our therapy clients become training members and our training members become therapy clients because at the end of the day, you need both, right? You need, you need the physical therapy to do tune-ups and make sure you stay out of pain. And then you need the training to make sure you become resilient and stay that way. So 
it's really the perfect setup and with Chris doing cash-based PT it's just so seamless because we don't have to worry about insurance we don't have to worry about people um, you know having to go through insurance and every time they go to see him you know having some you know uh, auxiliary conversation that doesn't need to be had. Yeah. So to be clear, we do offer basically you can come in just for physical therapy. You can come in just for training, or we do ha- even have a hybrid pa- package. Uh, you want to describe that, John? Or that premier package that we're putting together? Yeah. So the premium package, which we already have some people about to sign up for, you do. Our training is one seventy nine a month. We do unlimited, no contract, nothing like that. That's I, I hate contracts. We should have a podcast about the way gyms screw you over. We probably should. Because um, that would be a fun one. But we should just talk about, like, the training and therapy business models just as they exist now because I just think a lot of them are pretty screwed up. But, yeah, so you do unlimited classes on our side where you get the small group training. But then you get two 30-minute sessions um, a month with Chris. So it's I've never seen anybody do this before. Um, people are already pretty excited about it uh, here at Dynamic. So... We hope it goes well, and we'll keep you guys updated if you're like a cash-based PT or if you're a personal trainer or something like that and you want to try to set something up with a PT. Um, this might be a, a really cool way to approach it. Yeah, so it could either be two 30-minute, what I call like a mobility session, where it's like hands-on work and maybe working on any kind of tissue restriction or joint restriction, uh, or it could be one one-hour session if you have sort of a bigger issue you want to address. And that tends to be more of like an evaluation. But, um, yeah, what's uh, what's the cost on that? It's a three seventy three a month, so it's our typical one seventy nine a month of the unlimited training plus one ninety four, which is Chris's single session uh, package yeah, or single so. session rate. So think of it as three seventy three for unlimited training and two massages. That's a pretty sweet deal, yeah. I think. So uh, enough about that. Uh, so let's we're gonna probably do a lot of uh, podcasts going forward where I maybe mean, it's just John and I talking about specific topics. I think that's what well. It's going to be a lot of Chris rambling on about but, topics and yeah, me trying to reel him in and make it more exciting. Yeah. So if you listen to the previous two seasons, it might start to sound a little more coherent since then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's dive into one, John. I think we talked about maybe going into weight loss. Yes, something you desperately need. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lie. <laughs> Well, okay, but that kind of bleeds into it because I did lose some weight. I still have more to lose. No, you're um, doing well. You look good. Thanks, thanks, man. Appreciate it. A long road ahead of you, but you're at least starting the journey. <laughs> uh, I look forward to this business relationship we have, John. Uh, anyways, um, yep. So I've done the counting calories method, and I've done sort of more of the. I guess I don't. There's probably a name for it. I call it like a metabolic method, maybe, or the insulin method. I don't know. Um, and I think both models work. Uh, but I do think the calories in, calories out model is kind of a broken model. I can go into that into detail soon. But I think, John, you're kind of more of a calories in, calories out kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent, and I definitely want to hear your take on the insulin uh, situation because I haven't really listened to you speak about that at depth, at length, um, especially when you compare it to like the calories in, calories out model. When we talk about calories in, calories out, it's very simple. Um, it's like you have to eat less than you burn in a day in order to lose any weight, right? That's, we've all heard this. And it comes down to two things. It's your basal metabolic rate, like what you burn just resting, and then also any activity that you do on top of that. So like if you go to workout, if you go to do some cardio, if you like have an active job, whatever the case might be, you run around with the kids in the yard. Um, so whatever you burn just resting, and then also the activity that you do in the day, uh, whatever that number is, let's say it's 
1,800 calories. Well, if you want to lose weight, you got to eat 1,700 calories or 1,799. Um, but ideally, the the basic, you know, if we're talking just like simple numbers, and this is this works for some people, it doesn't work for everybody, but most dietitians will tell you try to get 250 to 500 calories below your your burn rate as far as calories in in order to lose like one to two pounds a week. That's kind of like the basic uh, prescription for most people. Of course, people, there's a large variance in people and what what actually works for them, but that's kind of like the blanket statement. And it, it kind of makes sense, right? Okay, I if I want to lose weight and I want to utilize this fat that's on my body, well, I can't have that many calories floating around because they'll just, uh, I'll just keep storing or I'll just maintain and I'll just keep my current storage levels. Yeah. So what he's talking about, this whole calories in, calories out thing, in case you haven't heard of that term, is the uh, whole uh, eat less, move more mentality, right? Um, basically, constant starvation. <laughs> uh, no, so, but just, you know, there, if you want to figure out what your uh, calorie recommendation is per day, you can go to calculator.net. They've got all kinds of calculators there. And there's one where you can input your height, your weight, your activity level, and they'll give you, you know, sort of a general recommendation. Uh, and then he also mentioned the basal metabolic rate. What that means is if you do nothing and you're sitting on the couch watching TV and that's like your whole day, you still are burning calories because your, your body still needs to function. You still need to blink. You still need to breathe. You still need organs to work, the heart to pump. All those things uh, take energy. Uh, so you do burn a fair amount through the day, and that is your BMR, right? Uh, what a lot of people tend to do is just try to starve themselves. So then they're not even supplying their BMR at that point. Uh, and then the whole metabolism slows down, right? Isn't that kind of the thinking behind that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So under eating is a, is a problem too. Well, you, you brought up something important, like your metabolism slows down. So one of the things that's really important when you're trying to lose weight is that you don't decrease your metabolic rate. You want to either keep it the same or increase it. Mm-hmm. One of the ways you can increase it, you can just increase the muscle mass that's on your body. The more muscle you have, the higher your basal, basal metabolic rate because uh, muscle actually is burning stuff all the time where fat is just storage. Um, I think that's all I had to say there. Yeah, and that's a super important point. I want to bring that up when I kind of go into my whole diatribe when it comes to insulin sensitivity. So remind me, John. Uh, resistance training, why it is so beneficial mm-hmm. in terms of um, my whole sort of paradigm. So, um, all right, anything else you want to talk about with the calories in, calories out thing? Yeah, we can talk about the concept of like being hungry. Um, so one of the things that a lot of people are going to tell you, and it's it's kind of true, at least in this model, is when you're trying to lose weight um, in a calories in, calories out model, and that's your focus, you're going to have to be hungry because you're eating less than what you're burning. So your body is quite literally breaking down cells in your body in order to supply the energy that it's losing. Um, so if you're operating under this model, which is a very common model to, to use in order to lose weight, you will have to be hungry. Like you're going to have to adapt to having that sensation. Um, you know, I, cur- I recently just cut like 20 pounds and I've been hungry quite a bit. Um, so if, if you're not hungry in this calories in, calories out model, um, the percent chance you're losing weight is probably low. Now, there's a difference between being mildly hungry, right? Just that slight little, oh, okay, like I would like to eat food right now and starving, right? Um, if you're at a crazy deficit, let's say something ridiculous, like a thousand calories per day deficit, um, and you're starving yourself, what's going to happen as a result is now your body's going to start not only breaking down fat, but also muscle and also organ tissue. 
and the loss of those tissues is going to decrease your basal metabolic rate and probably some other factors in there too um, they're going to decrease your basal metabolic rate and now you have to now you the now you're really stuck because the less and less you eat the more you're going to maintain because your body's just uh has really nothing left to burn it's desperately trying to hold on to whatever it can yeah so i could like take you out to the woods strap you to a tree for like three days and yes you'd lose weight but you'd also lose muscle probably bone density and all kinds of stuff that you don't want to lose so that's why that's that system can be hard um so yeah so let me start talking about metabolic flexibility and the whole insulin thing that i was mentioning i'll have to find out the term of this this sort of paradigm there's got to be a term for it so um so your body can burn basically two different types of fuels it can burn fats or it can burn carbs. So of the three macros, right, that's fats and carbs are the two of them. Um, so we're used to eating a whole bunch of carbs, right? And then what in the calories in, calories out method, we try to burn up those carbs and then you go into burning fats. So that's what ketosis is, ketogenic diet. That's all about ketosis, burning fats for fuel. Problem is so many of us eat so many carbs that we almost never go into ketosis. Right, so that, that is the term metabolic inflexibility, that the body kind of loses its ability to go back and forth between fats and carbs. So, uh, you know, one way, I think this is why the low-carb diet works so well, is if you prioritize fats, and obviously proteins, pro- no one sort of debates about proteins, right? Everyone knows we should eat protein. That's the other macro. So if you prioritize proteins and fats and under-prioritize carbs, you're going to trip into ketosis more often. And uh, that's how, uh, that to me is the way to lose weight. Yeah, and it's also the weight that you want to lose, right? You want to be burning fats because that's the thing that's on your body that you don't want there. Exactly, right? I mean, you know, you still want some of it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, this, this, that's the issue with the American diet. It's super carb heavy. And, you know, we've been told by you know, FDA to eat mostly carbs. What is it? What's the recommendation currently? 50% carbs or something like that? Yeah, I think it's actually maybe a little. Yeah, I think it's 50, probably like 30, 50, 20, something like that, right? Yeah, it's like 50 or 55%. Yeah, so I just I think it should be just the opposite. I think it should be much lower on carbs. And by the way, we should define carbs. So glucose, right? That's the main carb. I'm not talking about just breads and pastas and rices. I'm also talking about fruits and vegetables. Those are all carbs. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but if you're eating mostly fruits, vegetables, breads, pastas, now you're just eating a ton of carbs. So now you're on a high carb, low fat diet. So once you make the switch to sort of prioritizing animal meats, now you're prioritizing protein and fats, and you're going to tend to have less carbs. So it tips the scales in the opposite direction, and I think that works for a lot of people. Well, one of the problems I do have with the high-carb, low-fat model is it's – and I'm not saying that, um, you know, we had it right as far as nutrition goes, like when we were evolving, right, before we got to the point where we had, like, modern medicine – I think we've we have new knowledge, right? And we have to operate under the fact that we do have new knowledge. And I, I also, I'm also not against the idea that like food that we create that's a new thing is bad for us. Uh, I'm just not sure we know quite enough yet to dive so far away from our evolutionary history of diet and how we evolved to process nutrients that we can stray super far from eating meats primarily and then some fruit and then some vegetable. You know, if we look at most of the carbohydrates you intake, like all these, uh, you know, division one athletes and pro athletes who eat just like a ton of pasta and breads because that's what their uh, dietitians recommend because they want that high carb model. Well, they're eating pastas and breads, which are man-made food creations, 
we never ate those things in the wild. And again, I'm not saying we were better off when we were in the wild or that we knew more back then. I'm just saying I'm not quite sure that we have created the right types of foods to actually be better yet than how we evolved to eat. That's where I think we're at right now in 2022. Yeah, I'd agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, but so let me go towards the whole insulin thing. So insulin is a hormone that is released by your pancreas when you eat carbohydrates. And it ushers carbohydrates out of the bloodstream into uh, the muscle and the liver in the form of glycogen. So it's glucose. As soon as it goes and gets stored, it becomes glycogen. And insulin is the, the sort of the cab driver that brings it there because you don't want glucose circulating in the blood and the vessels for too long because it can cause damage. Uh, what can happen, and there's sort of some different thinking behind this too, what creates insulin in, uh, resistance, which is basically the same thing as diabetes, is uh, you know, one thinking is that a diet high in carbs throughout a lifetime creates uh, insulin resistance in the same way like having a cup of coffee every day might have to turn to two, then three, you know, because if you want to get the desired effects, it just takes more and more because the body adapts. So that's, that's the main thing. There is a whole other theory behind vegetable oils sort of triggering um, insulin resistance as well. But the problem with insulin, I mean, I think most people know that insulin's role is to get glucose out of the blood, but it has lots of roles. And one of the things it does is it's a builder. It's almost like an anabolic steroid. So anywhere it goes, it, it creates more of that thing. So you'll see this with um, diabetics at sites of their injections. They'll have, I, think, I forget the term, I think it's hyper... Um, Hyperplasia, like it's basically you'll get like a development, like a pocket of fat right where they inject. And that's from insulin. So, uh, you know, I think uh, increasing insulin sensitivity should always be a goal, especially when it comes to weight loss, weight loss, but also in general health. So this is what I was going back to, um, as I mentioned earlier, with the resistance training. So that muscle glycogen, that's the glucose, it's, it's stored within the muscle cells. When you work out and do resistance training, you demand use of the muscles and you'll quickly burn through that muscle glycogen. So what it does, it, ha it gives you more insulin sensitivity. So I think that's a super important thing and that'll help you get into ketosis faster. Uh, can we quickly talk about like why you get tired after you eat all the carbs? Do you know anything about that? Well, there's, yeah, the whole like roller coaster. Well, I'll tell you one thing that can happen. So if you get hangry, you know the term hangry, if you're a little angry, if, if you haven't eaten for an hour or two, the thing is you can store uh, carbs and, you know, aka energy in the muscle, um, but that's kind of a small tank of energy. So that only really give you about an hour or two of energy. Right? After that, you, you probably just from like walking around doing stuff, I probably burned through most of your carb stores. So if you're not constantly re replenishing that, then your body has to get energy somewhere. And so for people that have never really prioritized a high-fat protein diet and have been on a high-carb diet for their whole lives, their body's not really able to go into ketosis easily, and they, then they get irritable. That's, that's what hangry is. So if you get hangry within an hour or two after a meal, that's a sign that you're metabolically inflexible. Yeah, and that's, um, that's a really good point. I, uh, just because I've had this in the past, um, you know, that whole hangry situation when I eat you know, especially like a lot of like pasta or carbs or like a sandwich at lunch and then I have to go like train people. Um, I would just notice I was smoked. Like I just had yeah. no energy in me. Um, so my strategy now, and I don't even know, I'm probably more metabolically flexible now because I just have had a more high fat, low carb diet for, for quite some time. But recently, because we bought this gym and my bank account's lower and food is more expensive because of uh, inflation, um, I've been adding more like pasta into my diet just because it's cheap energy 
But what I do is in the beginning of the day, I have a omelet with sausage. And then in the middle of the day, I have like just steak and vegetables. So I, I kind of stay away from carbs almost entirely until I get to the afternoon. And then at night, I'll have like a, a big dinner that has carbohydrates because I don't want to be, ex- I don't want to have any sort of negative impact from carbohydrates when I'm going to train people and I have to like be on for clients. Yep. No, I think you're doing it right. And I think it should be a priority for everybody to, uh, even if it's just like one day a week, go low carb just to produce more insulin sensitivity and increase your metabolic flexibility, the ability to go back and forth between carbs and fats. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And I think there's a, a brain fog that you get when you eat a lot of carbohydrates. Like I just have more mental clarity. I know a lot of people express this same thing uh-huh. when they go into more of like a ketogenic diet or even a high fat, low carb. Because at the end of the day, like getting into ketosis is really, really challenging. Uh-huh. And most people who are doing like keto diet aren't really keto because just even the little bit, the smallest bit of an insulin spike just kicks you right out uh-huh. of true ketosis. So, um, but even in just a high fat, low carb environment, you just have more mental clarity. I don't know why. Um, and if you do, let me know other than the, what we just talked about. But I definitely feel more clear-headed. Yeah, yeah. I'm. That's what, like, when people go animal-based or carb or carnivore diet, that's the first thing I always say. I, you know, I read about that. I can't remember exactly what it is. I think there's more oxidation involved in uh, burning carbs, but I, don't quote me on that. I, I don't know. Uh, I do know that burning fats for fuel, are, it's much easier to sustain that. So you can have, if you go on like a, a carnivore diet, you can eat like once a day and you'll have plenty of energy. Uh, and by the way, that's why people are having so much success with fasting because it's basically you're, you're tapping into ketosis and you're improving your insulin sensitivity. So I, I do, I'm a proponent of fasting. You're not every single day, but I think intermittent or, or what I call incidental fasting. Sometimes I just don't eat breakfast or whatever. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll fast for like 16 hours, but not every single day of the week. So here's the, I guess what we're trying to talk about here is like weight loss and then these two different models, like calories in, calories out yep. versus trying to be more uh, in ketosis, I suppose. Now, at the end of the day, let's, let's just go to a person that, well, these people exist. We have them at this gym who, oh God phone call busy guy um put your put your thing on do not disturb next time they have a feature okay okay. they have a feature they have a button um but in uh i'm not clicking i'm not putting my phone on silent right now you didn't see me do that Um, (laughs) but you know we have members here at the gym and there's just obviously these people out there who are significantly overweight if not obese and at the end of the day, like, yes, they need to lose fat, but they also just need to lose more weight, right? All the weight should be in fat, but they do need to lose just actual body weight. If we're not cutting calories and we're just changing the model to, hey, let's be in ketosis more so you're actually burning these fat cells, is that actually going to help them decrease their, their true body weight? Let's say somebody needs to be like 130 pounds and they're 200 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, this is, I dropped like 30 pounds on the carnivore diet and within a couple of months, uh, was, it was, I was kind of blown away. Um, but to be clear though, I think the calories in calories out mile can work temporarily. Mm-hmm. I think that for, I mean, otherwise just kind of white knuckling it forever, right? Cause 
you, you know, that is basically somewhat controlled starvation. So you, like you said, you kind of always have to be like a little bit hungry. So, and that's a, one of our main drivers is, is hunger, right? So in the long run, it's, you're going to lose that, that battle unless you're just like a mental beast, right? So I think, you know, as a short-term fix or a jump starter, I think calories in, calories out can definitely work. I've definitely lost weight before and the calories in, calories out. But if you're always under that, that model, it's kind of like you're in a weight loss period, then you're sustaining, and then oh, maybe this weekend was bad, I gained a little weight, got to go calories down again, you know? So it's kind of like a little bit of a yo-yo. Um, I do think starting, I mean, anything coming off the standard American diet, and anytime you're being conscious about your diet, you're going to start losing weight. Five guys is so good, though. Bad idea. <laughs> There's so many reasons. You know, eat the, the burger, not the bun. Burger first of all. with the lettuce wrap. Uh-huh. They do that there and just don't get the fries. All right. But the other thing, too, is where they cook it in. Probably vegetable oil. Probably a lot of vegetable oil. Yeah. Which I, by the way, I hate vegetable oil. Just, that's the number one evil to stay away from when it comes to food supply. Um, so where was I? So that's so he, here. I want to I want to cut you off real quick because here here's what I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking of a math problem and not necessarily like a dietetics problem. I'm thinking of a person whose metabolic burn throughout the day is 2,000 calories, mm-hmm. and even though they're eating a high fat low carb diet and they're decreasing their insulin, uh, they're increasing their insulin sensitivity, decreasing their insulin resistance. Um, they're in ketosis more often. So the thing that they're burning more times out of 10 is fats, but they're eating 2000 calories a day and their total daily burn is 2000 calories. Um, that seems like a, a net neutral, no matter what the content of the diet is. Yeah, that's, I see what you're getting at. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I suspect that you would still lose weight because you're in ketosis. If you're in ketosis most of the day, you're going to be selectively burning from fat and not so much from muscle. Because here would be what I would uh, make the argument on is if you're in a high fat low, and this is this is just me postulating. If you're in a high fat low carb environment, and that's what you're eating, and you're trying to lose body fat, you could probably cut fewer calories because you're more efficient at burning fat. Uh-huh. than somebody who's doing a high-carb, low-fat diet. And through the process of losing the weight, you're probably going to lose less uh, muscle tissue, uh-huh. organ tissue, yep. and whatever other tissue might lose trying uh-huh. to lose weight. Yep. So let's say if you're in a high-carb, low-fat environment, you're eating, you, you burn you know, 2,000 calories a day, you have to, lo- you have to eat 1,500 calories a day to lose um, you know, one to two pounds of uh, body fat a week, I would suspect that somebody might only have to eat 1,900 calories a day, um, you know, just cutting 100 if they're in a high-fat, low-carb environment in order to lose at the same pace yeah. of body fat. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also think part of the hunger is in there too. I, I just know that a animal-based diet is more satiating, right? Because you're eating fats. Fats are very satiating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I've been like strict carnivore before – like I'm not really hungry. I'll sometimes right. just eat once a day, and I'll be burning energy all day, and I feel great. So take that for what it's worth. Well, I think the the point you make there too is burning energy all day is important because if you're somebody who has a lot of body fat, that body fat should be used for something. And if you're not readily able to use that body fat 
because you're eating this high carb, low fat diet, you have a lot of insulin resistance, especially if you are overweight or obese, you're probably more um, insulin resistant than just a typical person trying to lose like 10 pounds. But if you need to lose like 50, um, you're probably particularly insulin resistant. So when you go to lose weight, your body does not know how to use your fat stores at all. So now you're going to be crazy hungry, if, and especially if you keep up the high carb, low fat. Yeah. Uh, one thing too I want to bring up too is sort of the the metabolic flexibility advantage. So so if you've sort of adapted your body to be more in ketosis more often, uh, and you have the, the ability to go back and forth, and maybe you're on you know temporarily on a high uh, protein diet, high fat diet. And then you go to compete. I know a lot of athletes talk about this. And then you put some carbs in the system. Now you get like an extra boost from those carbs than the average athlete mm-hmm. that's always trained in a carb-heavy environment. Well, the same thing is true with like caffeine. I think this is yeah, like... Exactly. So for me, obviously right now we just bought the gym. I'm here seven days a week. And there's a couple of days where like I'm here till 8 p.m. and I have to get up. I have to be here again at 6 a.m. the next day. But that's only two days a week. It's fortunate I have an employee who helps me out the other mornings. Um, so those two mornings, because I'm only getting, let's say like six and a half to seven hours of sleep, I'll have some, I'll have a cup of coffee, but I don't have it the rest of the days of the week because otherwise I would defeat the purpose of being able to use that as that boost. Yeah. So I think the same thing is true. Like you same said, exact idea. Yeah. Um, I think, so we're at like the 28 or 29 minute mark. So we should probably wrap up here. I do want to try to sum up where we ended and maybe some of the things that we should research and explore. And cause I, there's still this calories in calories out I'm not fully convinced because like I said it's a it's a math problem still in my head so I think being more insulin sensitive isn't important we obviously agree that high fat low carb diet is a is the better approach um, when you operate more in ketosis you're going to burn the thing that you want to burn more of which is fats especially if you're somebody who wants to lose weight you're most likely want to lose body fat versus anything else um, but the thing I think we're leaving off on is how, how does that math problem change in a high-fat, low-carb environment yeah. versus the high-carb, low-fat? All right. So that would be something for us to research. But yeah. the, re- the main reason that I, I think the calories in, calories out thing is, I'll call it broken. I don't know what the term is for it. I don't think, I don't think, it's, I don't think it, it doesn't work. I think the problem with it is the onus, right? So if you're not losing weight and you've tried the calories in, calories out approach, it, you tend to like blame yourself for it, and that's that's why I don't love that model, because it's sort of. Well, like, I would say well, the inverse is true. I would say they actually blame the world, like, oh my god, I I just oh I see what you're saying. Yeah, they blame themselves, like, oh, it's just me. I could, yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it. I failed, and then then you set yourself up for like a failure, sort of downward spiral from there. And mm-hmm. that's like, well, I, I tried, it didn't work, so I guess I'll eat whatever I want, and I'm just going to be overweight. Right. Yeah. Somebody who does the calories in, calories out, and doesn't change their the content of their diet, they just change the amount the portions yeah well i'm just saying like long term it's a losing battle for the majority of people right mm-hmm. to be always mildly hungry that's a hard thing to get past is your hunger drive right yeah and especially if you have like 60 70 100 pounds to lose you gotta be hungry for upwards of a year two years yeah i just don't think that is sustainable yeah, at it's all not. yeah so it just sets people up for failure so and we're always trying to not do that so that's that's my the biggest argument for me against it's just the the onus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think what we should do is we should spend some time researching, see if see what that math problem works out to, um, with these conclusions of like, of course, eat high fat, low carb, and uh, go from there.
Sounds good. Now, I do want to just point out that your nervous system is made of saturated fat. So you need fat for your brain, for your, your nerve conduction, for everything. The myelin sheaths around your nerves that make your nerves fire faster. Yeah, don't be fat. scared of butter, people. Yeah, I have butter every day. There was a really – I think you sent it to me. I forget, what's her name? The Kate Shanahan. Kate Shanahan. She had a fantastic talk on um, heart disease and how it's – really most likely caused by seed oils and not from just having fats because the important thing is in your in your bloodstream in order for those fats to start building up on those on the walls of your of your arteries they have to be oxidized first and the the question they always knew that they always knew it was oxidated fats that were building up but the question was how did they get oxidated in the first place because a fat, an animal fat that you eat, is not oxidated. Um, it, it's its cell walls are still intact. It's not damaged in any sort of way. So consuming animal fats, as we now know, is not supposed to be bad for you. It's when a fat gets oxidized, and the question is when do those fats get oxidized? And then her point is when you uh, heat up a seed oil in order to create that seed oil, like canola oil. Um, that oxidizes the fat. So when you take that in, you can't really process that. It just gets left in the bloodstream. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge topic. So Google Kate Shanahan with a C, uh, Kate Shanahan, Dr. Kate Shanahan, LCHF. Put that into your YouTube search and it'll pop right up. Uh, yeah, it's like a 30-minute talk. It is pretty technical. But if you watch it a couple of times, you can get the gist of what she's saying. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and that really dives into the cholesterol conversation. And I, I've already done a whole podcast in season two on cholesterol. I'd be happy to dive into it more. I mean, that's a big topic that we can't cover today. But the short of it is LDL is not bad unless it's damaged. And what damages it is a diet high in sugars and or seed oils. And that, that's when LDL becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so that was a mouthful. Uh, shall we wrap this one up, John? Yes, and I feel like we're going to keep harping on the same topic over and over again. Yep. Um, well, there's so, like so almost like propaganda out there right now against eating you know, animal products, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think it's wrong. Yeah, and just to be fair, me personally, I know he's, Chris is much more well-read. I am not a dietitian, nor is it a, a space that I have a lot of information or knowledge on. Um, I've just seen enough to have certain convictions moving in a certain direction. Um, but, yeah, don't ask me for recommendations, but you can listen to my opinions and try to pick them apart if you want. Yeah. I mean, the short of it is we should be eating like our ancestors. That, that's how we evolved. Yeah, until we don't have to. Until we have the knowledge where, like, we do create some sort of powder that has all of the nutrients and all of the exact quantities you need. But we're just not there yet, I don't think. No way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're at, like, the point where you can be vegan and have, like, those chicken nugget things and be okay. I'm not sure we're there. Yeah, and I even did a whole blog on 12 micronutrients. We haven't talked about micronutrients. It's a whole other topic. But, there, you know, if you go vegan, vegetarian, you have to be very uh, diligent and do your research because there's going to be some key new, uh, micronutrients you'll be missing in your diet, particularly B12. That's a big one. B12. And vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so that will be that for this week. Uh, plan on hearing from us probably weekly at this point, right, John? Not probably. We're going to make this a thing. Okay, definitely Mondays. All right, sounds good. We'll talk to you next week. All right, see you, Chris. Bye. Do you have unexplained pain, or do you wonder just how healthy you are? When was the last time you had your blood tested? 
Blood chemistry analysis is a great way to stay ahead of any health conditions, and now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's liver function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It's sent to you with free shipping and you get your results in two to five days, no physician referral needed. Use the code DPT30 for 30% off. Go to letsgetchecked.com and use the code DPT30. Did you know that you can get started with physical therapy without a physician's referral? Physical therapists don't just solve pain, we get down to the root cause and keep it from coming back. We also discuss all things health such as nutrition and lifestyle changes. If you feel that you could use some help, let's get on a free consult call. Go to www.dynamicnaples.com and sign up for a free call. Also, if you like this podcast, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us spread the message. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.